Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. And today's show is brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Hey, the other guys have their own way of doing business. Sunbury Motors does business the way I like it. At Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's War. Play-by-play call today. Taylor Parsons, a big three-pointer to win it for Ball State over Notre Dame. Ten seconds left. Parsons calling off the dogs. He wants the ISO. Gets a screen from Moses. Three on the shot. He shoots. He scores! What a shot by Taylor Parsons with 1.7 remaining. And Ball State beat Notre Dame last night, 82-77. That's our play-by-play call of the day. Andrew Callahan, 24-7 Sports. It is always great to hear him on the other end. Andrew, welcome. Hey, good to hear your voice, Steve. All right, Andrew, let's uh, let's start with, uh, first of all, uh, the, the Saquon Barkley situation. Not going to the highest one, but he's up for several other awards, and he won the Horning Award, obviously, today. What are your thoughts on, on, on all of it? I thought the Heisman voters made the right choice. I mean, you, you look at Barkley's performance, obviously an outstanding season, but the, the award is to be taken in the context of the greater landscape of college football. When you look at what Baker Mayfield did, obviously Lamar Jackson won it a year ago. He was even better this season. Just the numbers really in the middle of the second half of the season fell off that Heisman pace. It was obvious, and, and it was mentioned in the media. It's really, I think when you look at not only the Horn Dogs, but like the Maxwell Award, I think Barkley could have a great shot at typically. I don't see him as a runner-up to the Heisman, but also given to the best player in the country. Uh, for me, uh, that's an award he should take home. Yeah, and uh, that will be announced on Thursday night. I feel the same way. I feel, I've, I've said for weeks now I think he's going to get the Maxwell Award. We'll find out. Now, I don't have a vote for it, but uh, just my personal opinion, and I might be a tad biased, but I like what I see when I watch him play. Uh, now, <laughs> now, as for uh, the bowl matchup with Washington, you do a lot of tape breakdown and so forth. Andrew, what are your thoughts on this matchup? I think this is a fantastic matchup. I mean, I think we're going to get an outstanding game. And, you know, I've really only done surface research on Washington and haven't dove into the tape too much. But, you know, I also like to, to really scan those metrics. And when I look at Washington, what stands out offensively is just how ruthlessly efficient they are. I mean, they're moving the chains. They're on schedule nonstop. That stems from great balance. Jake Browning, the quarterback, who's junior, of course, led them to the playoff a year ago. And then Miles Gaskin in the backfield has been outstanding. Dante Pettis out wide, another strong receiver. He also happens to be the NCAA all-time leader in punt returns for a touchdown. So, yeah, you know, he has, he has nine. <laughs> nine. Yeah, yeah, with nine. And, and defensively, you know, you got a top-ten pick in Vita Vea, who's another nose tackle, um, you know, on a really strong defensive front. I mean, they'll play primarily, you know, they're like a base nickel team, but you kind of see them going out at some different fronts. And, you know, it's just a very well-coached team you'd expect from Chris Peterson. And I think it's going to be a difficult matchup for Penn State, you know, with that offensive balance and then that defensive front led by Vea. Because uh, we all know what USC did uh, a year ago with a strong nose tackle against that running game late. 
The one area, though, is that Penn State will be facing a third consecutive 3-4 defense. As at least, so in terms of pattern, they've at least seen it the last two weeks of the season. Sure, yeah, and it always comes down to personnel. You know, Rutgers did things a little bit differently than Nebraska did. Right. Um, and, then, and then, of course, with Maryland with its own scheme. So I think, you know, there's a little bit of help there because Penn State's going to run what it's going to run. You know, the whole system is predicated on a few concepts that they have variations of or rules that adjust for whatever front that they're seeing. So I think they'll be more accustomed to that. The other flip side, of course, is that Washington has seen how they'll adjust to those odd fronts. So for them, you know, they might be able to take advantage of a couple things, but both teams are going to have weeks to prepare for. So I think they're going to have, you know, contingencies and contingencies upon contingencies to see whatever comes on December 30th. The early signing period is coming up, and already a couple players uh, have decided they're not going to come back for uh, for Penn State. What are your thoughts on that? You know, I think it's to be expected that when you look at the class, not only coming in at the top five class, even with a couple of defections that we've had as of late, um, but the talent that's on the roster, you know, Alex Barbier, you know, that's an interesting situation because, of course, you know, he, he's a scholarship kid, and then they're breaking in Jake Penninger, another scholarship kicker within this class, a couple other walk-ons who competed well on the roster. Andre Robinson, to me, was not any I expected, but overall, it's not surprising. You, know, you look at the way they used him in the second half of the season, Steve, he only had seven offensive snaps. And that was after 41 in their first six games. And six of those seven were kneel downs. So Miles Sanders was getting every single carry that Saquon Barkley was not. That was a clear effort on the staff's part to say, hey, we see him as the future. We want to get him prepared. And Robinson's role was never going to grow even after Saquon leaves. So he's a quality back. He definitely wished the best for him. And I think he could really have an impact uh, for a different program down the road. I agree with you, Andrew. He is a good back. He is a good, rock-solid running back that a lot of teams can win with. Yeah, you know, he he was really good, you know, uh, averaged 6.1 yards per carry a year ago, you know, 4.9. I might have those numbers slipped up. But either way, you know, he was productive when he got his chances, good in short yardage, and he's not going to run away from anybody, but just very sound. Uh, and a guy that, you know, again, like I said, I think even, even like a lower-tier Big Ten program could rely on. He doesn't have to jump down to an FCS or in a low FBS. I think, I think he could find a home in an area where they're still going to compete with him. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on basketball because obviously you were at the game the other night. What what were your thoughts watching them? Uh, they just, you know, it was almost brought me back to NC State, you know, which is which is difficult to compare because of course Wisconsin was at home, NC State's on the road, and Wisconsin was their third game in six days. But you saw that same stretch, Steve, where they're just you don't want to say sleepwalking, but you know, perhaps just kind of uh, whatever step above that is, that's what they were doing for a large part of that game. And there wasn't, you know, a tremendous amount of urgency, which you know they're, of course, trying. They missed some layups and Tony Carden, awful shooting night. But Mike Watkins was really the only player on his A or even A-minus game. And, and this is a team that's not deep enough right now where you can afford to have Lamar Stevens go out there and only have four points. Tony Carr have to really fight through those struggles to make an impact late. He made a tremendous amount of plays, but there's no way that they should have been down 17 with just under 10 minutes to go against that version of a Wisconsin team. I mean, they're favored by five and a half. So I, I think it's just they've got to find that consistency and it's got to start with, with their best players, you know, of course, Carr, Stevens, Watkins, and, and they're going to need some from their bench. You know, they've only had one combined point off that bench in the last two games, and, and none of that formula from the other night is going to be able to sustain them down the road. And did they look like a team that had been play, that had played 10 games in 25 days? And because obviously this is something they're not going to admit, but did they look like it? Right, and that's something I actually asked Pat right afterward. I said, listen, this might sound ridiculous given the play that Tony made, because even before that final shot, I mean, we all saw him going to the line and getting to the cup, and he had the rebound on that free throw miss that Wisconsin had right before the final possession. Right. So he's up there, and he's got enough in his legs. The problem is, 
physical fatigue is not the only thing they're battling. You're looking at mental fatigue, and there was a lot of one-on-one offensive yeah. taking, whether it was him or Chef Garner, and then defensively you have ball assignments. I mean, Ethan Happ's a very good player. They did a good job on him, but then you allow some freshmen to break out for Wisconsin. You know, that's just you would have been able to contain them had you just stayed either out on the perimeter or just kind of you know been able to handle some of those switches. So I think they did to an extent. But even knowing that, I mean, they're coming home. They know the team they're facing. They know this is a big game considering the loss at NC State. I mean, they've got to really show well in the Big Ten if they want to make the NCAA tournament at this point um, and even exceed expectations that were maybe even the highest that we had in the offseason. In fact, you know, you talk about mental fatigue. I, I'm, I'm convinced that that showed on the final shot by Tony because he, Pat didn't call timeout because he had what he wanted. He, he, he had everything he wanted. He had a small lineup out there for... Wisconsin, because if you call timeout, they'd have put the big guy back in, and he had him on there, you know, backpedaling, and Tony settled for a shot. Right, they're in conversion. They don't know exactly who they're going to guard, and Tony had a mismatch himself. You know, they're looking to clog the lane, and, and Watkins is into the basket, so there's really, you know, not an option to feed him there. So for Tony to take that shot, I mean. You know, I, I like Pat Trustman. You know, I've sat down with Tony Moulton yeah. times. We all see what he can do on the floor. He's a smart kid, well-spoken kid. So I didn't mind the three-point shot as many as other people did. I'm not going to say it was the best option, but, you know, there's no doubt there that I think, you know, again, after all the circumstances, not only is it three games of six days, but he had played at least 38 minutes against NC State, then at Iowa, and now against Wisconsin. That's going to take a toll on anybody. And Pat said, i, I got to get them under 34, and they're going to have to moving forward and get more, like I said, from that bench. Yeah, so this will be the one time where they, uh, well, they'll get a little break in the schedule. You know, they only have the one game Saturday, yeah. and they don't play again until Sunday. Of course, that's after finals, but still, mm-hmm. the one time in the schedule. And the schedule normalizes, because the, when it, we talk about the compressed schedule this year because of Madison Square Garden, they just finished the compressed schedule part. Yeah, they did. And you know what? Even when they returned, Steve, after finals, I mean, we can look right. at that schedule and go, they've got cupcakes coming up. you got things, and you got Coppin State, and the ball's really not going to get rolling again until January 2nd when they have to go to Maryland. You know, and I think, of course, not only will they be rested then, but they, you want to have that mental edge that you don't lose. And I think the, the good sign is when they play teams like, you know, I just mentioned Binghamton, Coppin State, they've blown them out. And, and you need to start demonstrating that again because that's what good teams do. I mean, they don't get lucky in a series of close games. They handle their business in games where you expect them to win, expect them to win big. So Penn State has done that to date. And, again, against more competitive teams has faltered, as we've seen against NC State and Wisconsin. But, you know, they've got to get back and develop some better habits and, and then be ready to roll when, when the Big Ten really gets rolling again. Back to football for a moment. Did the college football sure. playoff committee get it right? I think so. You know, we talk, I think we talked about Ohio State last week week and you know even watching the big 10 championship game i'm just looking at the team and go, you just can't tell me it's the four best but that's what we're here for yeah. that alabama needs to get in because for 13 of the 14 weeks of the season they were ranked in the top two of every single poll then they lose to auburn i mean no one's going to punish them for going into that place and losing the iron ball so i think the committee got it right uh is should there be a cry for eight do you like four no, I like four. I think, you know, and this is, uh, I don't, can't remember exactly where I saw this, but it was very well put that when you, when you talk about eight, you're then favoring access over excellence. And here, when we're talking about championships, you only want the teams that have deserved it and proven it beyond reasonable doubt that they belong there. We have some questions about Alabama and Ohio State. Can you just imagine the questions that we might have when you're talking about spot seven and eight, which then are going to go to at least 10 teams in the conversation, perhaps even 11? I mean, these are very, very good deserving football teams. I think this is the way it should stay. If anything, maybe go to six. But then, you know, for me, I'm, I'm a, a fan of four. Andrew, always a pleasure. Thanks so much. Appreciate your time.
Not a problem. We'll see you next week, Steve. Andrew Callahan, 24-7 Sports, back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by our good friends at Sunbury Motors. on this Wednesday uh, coming up tomorrow we have a beat reporter from the Rams that is going to join us on the show that's Rich Hammond who from the Orange County Register and the LA Daily News also tomorrow Roxy Bergstein uh, play-by-play announcer for the Pac-12 Networks will be on because obviously he had several Washington games this year Jim Delaney is scheduled for Friday, and it looks like we're going to have somebody on from uh, the Fiesta Bowl on Friday as well, plus picks coming up on Friday. And uh, you almost feel like in some ways, after whipping go, 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 right, that uh, we are uh, just for the moment... Just in a little bit of a lull, a little bit of a slow uh, time right now. Now next week you'll probably have a few uh, uh, baseball trades made because the winter meetings are going on in Orlando starting on Sunday. So there's going to be some baseball movement next week. Gabe Kapler, by the way. Hired former Giants second baseman Robbie Thompson to be his bench coach. Not a not an insignificant hire. That bench coach is critical. I think, in fact, you can talk third base coach, first base coach all you want. I always feel like the bench coach now has become the single most important uh, hire that a manager makes. And... Uh, Robbie Thompson, the former Giants second baseman, will end up being the bench coach for the Phillies, working with Gabe Kapler. So that's the move they made today. Will the Phillies make any other personnel moves? That's going to be interesting because they have the money to do it if they want, I believe. And I think that... uh, They have some young players that can play. No question. It wouldn't hurt, though, to have a a couple of veterans around them to make it, I don't know, that leadership quality, which I think the Phillies desperately need with these young players. College basketball, let's see. Grambling beat Georgia Tech the other night. Ball State beat Notre Dame. That time of the year, you were going to get a couple of those. Now, for Penn State, they can't afford it. They can't afford the next five games to lose any one of these games. They have to have a five-game winning streak going into Maryland. They need to win all five. They're all five your favorite, all five you're supposed to win. Well, you, you have to go out and you have to win them. Great to get our Dave Pash Bill Walton fixed last night. Had a chance to catch Arizona, oh. Texas A&M. Really wanted to watch that just to dial in, just to see, you know, with just with you know with Penn State having them on the schedule a few weeks ago when they yeah. played them in Brooklyn. 
Arizona beat them. Yeah. Boy, um, A&M is a fast team. Mm. Oh, yeah. No, they are fast. Remember, Arizona's ranked as high as number two at one point. But, of course, Walden has to be Walden last night. He looks at Dave Pash, and he says to him, he says, you, he says, you hate my grandchildren. <laughs> I think you said that a minimum of three times, and it's like, Dave's, he's like, man, it's like we're in February form here. He says, not only do you hate my grandchildren, you also don't believe in evolution. Right? And, and Pash is just standing there looking at him like, the heck are you talking about? He was racking all these lines up over the summer and just un- unloaded the cupboard. You hate my grandchildren. <laughs> And not only that, you also don't believe in evolution. <laughs> a few weeks back, I mentioned about uh, Dick Enberg debuting a brand new po- podcast, and his first guest was Vin Scully. A few weeks later, he had Bill Walton on the show. That was yeah. that was that was really good too. Well, well, Dick announced Walton's games on TV. Yeah, they got into the. Uh, I'm trying to remember if it was 1973, there was a scheduled trip to China that uh, Walton skipped because he was protesting at the time. Oh, okay. UCLA won by 50? (laughs) (laughs) You look at him and you say, oh my gosh, I believe in evolution. (laughs) I mean, these are all things he said last night. Oh, unbelievable. Then there's one little hiccup that the Aggies went through about halfway through the second half. He goes, that was one of the six worst plays in Texas A&M basketball history. (laughs) Now that's making up a number. (laughs) Right? Believe me, I've done three Texas A&M basketball games in my career. I can think of other moments that were worse. In the last five minutes of the Arizona-Texas A&M game, Bill Walton has compared himself to solar energy, gushed about a Fleetwood Mac concert, showed off a picture of Dave Pash's grandchildren that Dave didn't know he had. <laughs> Danny Ainge was in the crowd last night. He's the best general manager currently in the end at the National Basketball Association. And Pash, without hesitation, goes, uh, "Hello, what about the GM for the Golden State Warriors?" <laughs> <laughs> then he wanted to get Bill's comments on the whole, you know, the Lonzo Ball, the Ball family situation, yeah. and yeah. that was the longest pause I think I've ever heard Bill Walton do on a broadcast on TV. <laughs> It was probably pushing at least five seconds. He's, he's, he goes, I'm not, t- I'm not touching that with a 20-foot pole. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, my gosh, I believe in evolution. <laughs> <laughs> but no, the topic that made Bill Walton speechless. LeVar <laughs> Ball. Ball. Man, yeah. oh, man, oh, man. <laughs> Hey, my grandchildren, you don't believe in evolution. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't get this from the guys I work with.
I like Grateful Dead music, but boy, I've, I've, I've never been to a Grateful Dead concert, so I'm not the aficionado like like Bill is. He, he follows them all over the world. He sure does. Wow. Well, somebody said he's an American treasure. I'll, I'll say he's an American original. How about that? That works. Hey, you don't get this kind of commentary in Iran. <laughs> North Korea? No. They don't deserve them. <laughs> oh, no, they haven't earned the right to hear Bill Walton. <laughs> wow. Tavern is where you want to celebrate this holiday season. Whatever feel you're looking for, Penn's Tavern along the Susquehanna River can accommodate your needs. Moundstone walls and wood floors can be found in the original dining area, giving you that old world charm. Continue back to the newly renovated River Room with 12 PA microbrews on tap. Grab a burger and sit back and relax in this cozy pub area. Penn's Tavern has the best gift certificate offer for the holidays. Buy five gift certificates of the same denomination and receive a sixth one free. Penn's Tavern, a piece of heaven on Route 147, five miles south of Sunbury. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Arkansas has hired Chad Morris to be their head coach, so he leaves SMU to take that job. Willie Taggart starts his dream job at Florida State. Ole Miss is telling other schools, and Michigan in particular, don't tamper with their players. Tennessee still doesn't have a coach. And, uh, Tomorrow, I expect Saquon Barkley to get some award tomorrow, get the Horning Award today as the nation's best all-around offensive player. That's probably a pretty easy one to vote on based on the kickoff returns, the receiving yardage, the... the uh, and, of course, the yard, rushing yards from scrimmage. It's probably pretty easy to... Both for everybody, I mean, the Horning Award, I thought was an absolute lock. I think he'll win the Maxwell Award. We'll see about the Doak Walker Award. I think he should win it, but we'll see. And the Walter Camp Award is going to be interesting, although I think Baker Mayfield might win that. But I, the Maxwell Award is the one I'm really interested to see if he wins it or not. Emblematic of the nation's best player. Roger Goodell has signed his contract with uh, the NFL. He signed it in principle. Arthur Blank signed it on behalf of the Compensation Committee. And they say the deal is worth up to $200 million. How about that? $200 million. Uh, they think it's five years, $40 million a year. That's if the owners do approve all the bonuses and the incentives. The base salary of the new contract is actually in the single-digit area. 
So I was right about that part. Roughly 85% of the total potential compensation packages from bonuses, which will be subject to ownership approval and validation. But when it's all said and done, it could be about $40 million a year. And the Compensation Committee did approve it unanimously. The deal with Goodell runs through 2024, which means that he has to be the guy that negotiates the new TV contracts in 2021. So 2020 and 2021, that's going to be the key time. He needs to come through in a big way and increase the money for the owners there. Yeah, they'll How start, he's going yeah, to do it, I don't know. Yeah, they'll start to break, they'll start to work on that, I'd say in what, year and a half? Something like that? Give or take? Probably. Probably. Goodell has earned $212.5 million in the last 11 years. The NFL paid Goodell nearly $32 million in fiscal year 2015. The last year in which public records exist. His contract would have expired after the 2018 season. So they got it done now. So it's single-digit millions on base salary, bonuses, get him to $40 million a year. See, I thought, it was, I thought the number was like $3.5 million base, but... But I, that means, of course, I had him in single digits. Goodell has not had a good run the last three years. And a lot of it's dealt with discipline. Uh, let's see. Other notes. Uh, let's see. Aloka had his, fine, uh, his suspension reduced to a fine, no reduction for Juju Smith-Schuster or for Rob Gronkowski. Steve Spagnuolo is now the new head coach of the New York Giants, and guess who the starting quarterback is? Eli Manning. Ryan Shazier is still in Cincinnati, undergoing tests. Stayed in the Cincinnati hospital again today. That's the story when it comes to the NFL. They're also considering throwing you out of the game for targeting. They're considering it. Uh, Derek Jeter says no decisions have been made yet on Giancarlo Stanton. The proposed site for the new A's ballpark fell through. We've had the darndest time there. Uh, Peralta Community College District and the chancellor there said, no, we don't want to do that. They wanted to open it as soon as 2023. said that the Peralta site was their last best chance to keep the franchise in Oakland. Now why they turned it down, I don't know. That's the uh, 
it fell through. They can't move to San Jose. They want to, San Jose wants to build a ballpark, and they can't move there. They're not allowed. It's considered to be San Francisco Giants territory, and the Giants won't allow them to do it. Now, Oakland could be on the verge of losing everybody. Because remember, the Raiders are going to move to Las Vegas. I think people don't realize that Golden State is moving from Oakland to San Francisco, brand-new arena there. That's coming up. And then there's the A's. So Oakland may be without a professional franchise in a couple of years here unless they can figure out a way to keep the A's. Because the Raiders are going to Las Vegas and the Warriors are going across the bay back to San Francisco. And uh, college basketball news, UCLA canceling the Montana game because of wildfires. Mark Emmert says work to do after the FBI basketball probe. You got to give him credit. He's on top of it. <laughs> uh, Steve Alford was surprised to learn LiAngelo Ball was leaving UCLA. Basically, what he said was, he found out listening on the radio on the way home from practice. Not exactly a fun way to learn about it. Oh, he left, huh? Hmm. You would think that LeVar would have Steve's number on speed dial. Guess not. Oh, he probably does. <laughs> but you do have to hit the button. Uh, Seattle really wants an NHL franchise. Their chance of getting one improved dramatically yesterday when the Seattle City Council overwhelmingly approved a memorandum of understanding for the $600 million privately financed redevelopment of Key Arena. The council vote was 7-1. to one. Say the building would be ready by October 2020. A timeline for an NHL or NBA team coming to Seattle remains uncertain. The old Sonics, of course, happen to be playing right now in Oklahoma City. So it'd have to be one or the other, right? I mean, are they completely giving up on oh, basketball in Seattle? No, 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 no. They want, they want, you can, both of them can play there. They're just redoing the arena. And the fact that they have it privately financed, a big plus. And then in the Harvey Weinstein lawsuit, <sighs> New York Knicks owner, the suit alleges that Dolan, where is it here? Among other Weinstein Associates knew of the movie producer's pattern and practice of predatory sexual conduct toward women because of their relationship with him. Great. And by the way, you saw the Times People of the Year happen to be. It's the whistleblowers in the Weinstein lawsuit. All right, we'll take a break. That's the news of the day. We'll wrap it up in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Huh. 
Welcome back. Great to have you with us. Well, seven days away, the big company holiday party. Being billed as maybe the best ever. Why would that be, Sean? Wonder why. Hmm. Yeah, sick, right? <laughs> I'm fine. You sure? I mean, you got asked that earlier today. I was, yeah, about a couple hours ago, yes. I was concerned I was going to run to the restroom and check the mirror if I look a little peaked, but no, I'm fine. Because it's really important that somebody be ready for the Tawanda tournament this weekend. That's right, long road trip. Yep. The Super Bowl of basketball. Wow. So, um, Penn State, Washington, Fiesta Bowl. We're gonna. I think we're gonna have a couple of reps from the Fiesta Bowl on Friday's show, along with Jim Delaney on Friday's show. Tomorrow, Roxy Bergstein is going to join us from the Pac-12 Networks, who called several Washington uh, games this year. Now, if you're wondering, why don't you get Bob Rondo on the legendary voice of Washington football, 37 years? He did his last game with Washington State. He's not doing the bowl game. Congrats to him on a great career. And uh, Rich Hammond tomorrow, the Rams beat writer from the Orange County Register and the L.A. Daily News. But we'll get a preview because the Eagles play the Rams. The Eagles stayed out, by the way, on the coast. They actually practiced at Anaheim Stadium, the home of the Angels. Um, and... So they stayed out on the coast after the game at Seattle. The, the Washington is a very uh, the, the they use really the same formula Penn State uses. They really do. Great field position. They dominated field position against almost all their opponents this year. Good defense. Talk about the rushing numbers against that three four. Really good. Vita Vey is really a terrific player at nose tackle. Not only size, but you also look at, you know, you watch him use his hands. Terrific. And then, of course, Dante Pettis on punt returns. He's returned nine for touchdowns in his career for this season. And Jake Browning, the quarterback, he is an interesting player in this game. In fact, I think he's the pivotal player in the game for Washington because he is the kind of player that when you look at him, you see a lot more than's really there. He is pretty careful with the football, 18 touchdowns, five interceptions. He's got a big play guy in Pettis. He doesn't have tight ends to throw to. He does not have tight ends to throw to, and that's a problem. Um, Miles Gaskin's really good, the running back. And Coleman, the uh, senior tailback, very good, too. But that is, when you look at, he's he's the key guy. Where uh, To be honest with you, I think he makes some good plays, but he does not blow you away on tape. Just doesn't. Yeah, I was curious just how much he has improved compared to last year. 
I'm not sure if he has. Maybe in some small way. I mean, the fact that maybe he makes fewer mistakes in terms of interceptions. Okay. I can buy that. Um, so he's better there, so he's a little more careful with the football. But at times he kind of launches and shot puts it, and I don't know. I just... I don't know. Uh, that's not... I, I just look at him and I just don't... I don't know. I, I, I see he's a good player, but... He's not He's not a great player. Last year, of course, he's being portrayed as a potential Heisman Trophy candidate. Okay, so I, when that happened last year, I decided, okay, I'm going to watch him in a game. And, of course, it's one of those Pac-12 late-night games. And I'm like, okay, right, he's good, but, but, but did he give you that feeling he was great? No. Right. So then I watched him, of course, in the bowl game against Alabama. I'm like, uh, you're not going to look good against that group. So I gave him a pass on that. Then, watching him this year, I saw the Arizona State game live. I'm like, okay, not very good. And I've watched a little bit of tape where I've seen some really good moments out of him and some really flat moments out of him. They protect him well. And he's not afraid to just go, okay, I'm getting rid of it. I'm not going to, you know, you can tell he does not want to throw an interception. So he doesn't take a lot of chances, which is fine. I mean, it's the way a lot of quarterbacks play these days. It's the way a lot of quarterbacks play these days. So is it just easy right off the jump to say if Penn State takes away their run game, it's going to be a long day for the Huskies? But you take away their run game, I think you've now put yourself in a great spot to win the game. But Gaskins is really good. And they'll they'll run Wildcat with Gaskins. And not so much Coleman, but Gaskin more than, than Coleman. But Miles Gaskins really good. Really I mean he, you know, he's like Saquon, three straight one thousand yard seasons. He's not uh, Saquon's a better receiver. Saquon Saquon returns kickoffs. So he's a better all-around player than Miles Gaskin is. But doesn't mean Gaskin's not good because Gaskin is quick. I mean, he's really quick. And Pettis has great speed, great judgment. You watch him on a punt return. He's really good. It's going to be when Penn State has to punt. That's one of the keys to, to Pettis is don't punt. <laughs> be really good. Don't punt. But the defensive numbers, the secondary for Washington is not as good as it was last year. But their front seven is better. And they put enough pressure on with their front seven. I think they have 38 sacks this year where it takes a lot of pressure off of their secondary. I just think it's a great matchup. I think the two teams match up really, really well. 
that's what's going to make it fun. And, you know, what, three, was it three weeks from, yeah, three weeks from Saturday coming up. Not bad. And, yes, I remember the last time the two played against each other was the 83 Aloha Bowl. And I remember I I was not allowed to go out there as the third member of the team to do it. In fact, because it was in Hawaii, each radio network was allowed to send one announcer. So naturally, we sent Gil Santos, and they sent Bob, sent, uh, Bob Rondo. And they split between the two in the first half, second half. I was sent to Hartford to do basketball at the Hartford Civic Center. As you know, the Civic Center roof, the original building, uh, fell in. So they rebuilt it. Okay. So I'm in there uh, the day after Penn State wins the Aloha Bowl over Washington 13-10. to And I'm doing the pregame shows. They're getting ready to play Arizona State, and the roof is leaking. I'm like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. I drove by this place when it was all twisted steel. That this isn't good. Then I remember Dwight Gibson had his pocket picked at midcourt when it was a one-point game. And Arizona State won 53-50. memories geez I'm old (laughs) hey what do you say you and I go to Tawanda Saturday and pretend like we're coughing there you go (laughs) stand right behind his shoulders (laughs) you okay (laughs) no we're good how's your game You're listening to News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury. You can hear us anywhere in the world with the Sunbury Broadcasting Corporation app.